Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Said there's there's no crying in baseball, but there should be crying in fantasy football. Wait, you already there's had no crying those. in Emmys. There's no crying oh. in Emmys. That's how we start this show. I'm right. just showing well, off. Yeah, but you. Yeah, Look you're showing statues. off. I thought you already had those. Look at my beef. I, I got them. chicks. <laughs> chicks. Your <laughs> wife's happy about that. Hey, more to Little, the family, man. We've already got a crew of them. I know. That's right. There's already now you got seven women, not nine women in the house. It's just going to keep getting yeah. worse and worse. And if you can't, you know, obviously that's if you go to our YouTube channel, you can check that out. I just held up both, both. I have got multiple Emmys now, and I'm just bragging to Tuttle because Tuttle's had a rough week, man. But uh, <laughs> we we haven't been in touch for a while, dude. How you been, dude? I've been great. Yeah, I would. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a rough week until last night. I mean, I guess if your whole life revolves around <laughs> fantasy football, it's a rough week. I thought my week was going well until uh, such high I hopes. In, I know I ran into the Lamar Jackson buzzsaw, but whatever. I mean, you know, our whole life doesn't resolve or revolve around fantasy football. Wink, wink. Yeah, it does. It's like, damn it. Yeah, I missed the next two days point. a week. It does. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we haven't talked in a while. I saw you do a little dance on. Uh, on uh, I don't know if it was Instagram oh, yeah. or Twitter. Your little My dance last road note. Trip. You're home for the. Isn't it funny? You're here's here's the advantage of being a broadcaster. I remember how stressful it was being a player. Is you basically now are done working in the next few days. Your home, last home stand will finish up here, and then you just wait around for the next ring to come. Are we going to get an American <laughs> League championship ring or World Series ring? It's like, come on, guys, get to work. It's time to add some more hardware to, you know, the Emmys and the rings and the, oh, that's right. It's going to be yeah, a rough Just one. collecting hardware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I keep telling my wife, man. I go, I'm, I'm worth way more dead than I am alive because then you can cash in on the rings, the Emmys, the life insurance, the pension. What do you need? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I don't know if that's I know. A, I don't know. Oh, come on. It's great. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful, but I don't know if the, I don't know if the, it's 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 fodder for another episode of uh, you know Law and Order or something like that, right? Like the yeah, more, exactly. I, now I that I put that Mr. out there, somebody's going to whack that's me. That's right. I believe Mr. Blum was worth more dead than alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was I a huge I Law and Order fan. I loved that show. Still, I mean, it, it's changed a little bit, but I still love that show. I'll watch all the re- reruns. I can watch the old, like the original one where it was like yes. courthouse, the SVU, and then the one on Oof. Mars, and then the one underneath the tunnel or in Miami or something. It's like, all right, we got a little crazy. But the one in New York, the original one, the when they do those marathons, you know, yeah. even with different characters, whether it was Sam Waterston or whether it was Diane Weist or whatever, like all of that mm-hmm. is great. I will say this if you want to laugh, watch the um, uh, John Oliver's show on HBO. He mm-hmm. does like half hour rants on things. He'll do a half hour rant on like Subway, how it turned into this company. <laughs> he has a he has a Law and Order one. I'll send it to you. It made oh, me think about Law and Order differently. But I'm like, no. I mean, he's just you know he's just trying to be funny. But oh man, yeah. it was great. Yeah, that was one of the classics. Well, we're we're on a little bit of a time crunch here in Bleacher Blump, so we're gonna we're gonna motor through this. This is gonna be yeah. the speed dating version of of Bleacher Blums because, like Tuttle said, my my season is winding down. I just got done with my road trip. We're all repping our Bleacher Blums, you know, that Ram shirts brings to us and uh, hooks us up with. I need to update. 
So if you're watching us on the YouTube oh, yeah. channel, you know, uh, Tuttle and I ran for office in 2020. We need to update that to maybe 2023 or 2024. I bet you we'd get a ton of votes. 2023. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think we get any votes in 2023, but. <laughs> we, we would. We would. We would. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Positive yeah. attitude. So, yeah. We'll, we'll have to update that, but you'll have to go check it out. Crush City Tees, Ram Shirts on Instagram. And you also got to follow us at Bleacher Blums on Instagram and Twitter. Our uh, buddy Mark Ramos, who produces this and pretty much produces everything in Houston, uh, is doing a phenomenal job for us. But uh, get it, Tuttle, at Real David Tuttle on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, I will be ramping up my, uh, I will probably be ramping up my Instagram features a little bit more here just because I've got time. Idle hands are the hands of the Instagram devil and I will be on that. But uh, like at Blummer27 on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just idle right hands here. We, the, we invent uh, words, strategies. Idle, and, idle hands yeah. are the yeah, devil. No, not that. Anyway, sorry. I interrupted. Yeah. You, you can get to us, but uh, we are we, we usually have what's on tap brought to you by St. Arnold. I'm going to have to pull this up because Tuttle gave us some good notes. And I actually took a couple of notes because we have a tendency to be on the same page with what's going on. So we've obviously got what's on tap brought to you by St. Arnold. We, you heard us hint at it, fantasy football. This was probably one of the more interesting weeks I've ever, ever had in fantasy football. For me, not so much for Tuttle, but we'll we'll get into that. Uh, oh, it was we've got Judge and oh, it was it was it was very interesting. Uh, we've got Judge and Pujols uh, home run records uh, being toppled and achieved. Uh, Tuttle wanted to talk a little bit about the targeting rule, which I think is very interesting also because it keeps popping up. And of course, Mike Tomlin is, is a phenomenal coach, head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Tuttle's got a couple of thoughts on that. And I have one blast at the end of this podcast that you're going to want to stick around for because it's special to this podcast. It's special to, uh, my co-host and, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Just make sure you stay tuned for awesome. that. All right. That's what's on tap, brother. Yeah. But uh, fantasy football, Tuttle and I are in a league together. He has his own other league because he's like super fantasy guy. But you had one of the roughest weeks. I've, I mean, not on record, but roughest weeks. And what is it? What does it say? Does it say anything about the personality of the person when they lose games in this fashion? I mean, you might be the unluckiest fantasy football owner on the planet. And when we get to my fantasy football week, I might be the luckiest fantasy football owner of the week. You know, I think, so I think it is week to week. That's it. I always say like, uh, I'm not, you've, you went to Vegas with me one or, one or two times now, but uh, you know, you just get your, if it's going well, you got to ride it while it's hot. And if uh, you got to get your money in the pot with the best hand, and sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. And I feel like one of the challenges you brought up my other team, we have a different scoring system, but when I got into the draft, I kind of liked my players and it's really hard to kind of, if I have a choice between two players, I kind of took the same player. So, like, I have Juju Smith-Schuster in both leagues. I have Kelsey in both leagues. I'm 2-1 and one in my other league, by the way. So, it's a weird thing where I'm like, maybe I should do a better job of GMing, which is pick the guys that are more applicable for the scoring <laughs> instead of just saying this. But this week specifically— That's an excellent point. Yeah, so this week specific, I mean, there is definitely strategy. But I haven't won a game. I was 2-12 and 12 last year in our league. 
Um, I finished the year probably, you know, somewhere like one and seven. I I, I want to say I lost like five in a row to finish out the year. And I was still Ooh. participating, still in So I'm I'm on like an eight game losing streak. And I, you know, it might be time for a slump buster. You mentioned the uh the ladies <laughs> in your house, the the Emmy, the Emmys there. I don't know. But uh I, I, yeah. yeah. So last but, week was rough. You made Tuttle, fun of okay. me. Mom Tuttle, he'll explain the slump buster later. Don't oh, worry. Everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've explained it on this podcast before. Um, but what's funny is the, uh, the, like I, you, the first week you made fun of me and this will get to your team as well. You made fun of me for not scoring. I, I scored 80 points or 82 points. And you're like, you didn't even get to a hundred. You were like making fun you of me. Stinky. <laughs> And I don't think I now I think I've got to 100 the last two weeks. This week, the buzzsaw that I ran into was Lamar Jackson. This is one of my best weeks ever in this fantasy league, not just by points, but I went down my roster and every guy on my team scored like anywhere up 15 to 18 points. It was like 15 to 18, 15 to 18. Which is I mean, that's beautiful. A, that that's is a great beautiful. week in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, but Lamar Jackson was the quarterback that I was facing. He threw for four touchdown passes, ran for another, and I think he had 41 points on his own. Uh, you mix in a Christian McCaffrey on that guy's team, and uh, and I got the L. But, you know, again, I'm just searching, begging for a W. I mentioned at the outset, there's no crying in baseball, but there may be crying in fantasy football, and I think that's probably something to live by. Blummer, you were crying last week. Shed, it looks I like you shed a tear for you. When you sent right. that text today— when you sent that text to us, and in, in you, you know, I was just like, "Holy crap!" Because just uh, this is an estimate, but a very close estimate. I think you lost 128 to 121 or something like that. Yep, something but like that. But you scored 121 points. And I, going back to your point about you know, in the past in this league, and I think this is where I got kind of messed up. Is you know, it was a pure full 100% PPR league where you just racked up points. You know, if if you fell forward for five yards, I felt like you got five points every time. And then this year, I feel like the scoring has altered a little bit and gone to that half PPR. And I don't know if I drafted poorly in that sense, but my guys just don't get the points that I feel like I've gotten in the past. They don't and fall so forward. Tuttle, <laughs> they don't fall forward. They're falling backwards and getting smoked. But to Tuttle's point, you know, losing by six, seven points after scoring 120 is agonizing because, like you said, you have that one week where everybody comes into line, 15 to 18 points, and you're racking it up. I had a week where all of my guys racked up seven to 10, maybe. And I mean, I had some guys that were like at two and three. I scored 71 points. I won. W. <laughs> I picked up my first W of the year against our good buddy, John Adams, who scored a total of 53 points. I don't know how that happened, but that is just, I mean, that is fantasy football in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Because I'm going to be under you as far as points are concerned. If you went total points, you know, I'm going to lose in the waiver wire. I'll gain in the waiver wire, but I also picked up a W. I don't understand. I mean, that was the wackiest week of the year. And uh, yeah. when I put that score up and I sent that back on our text chain, what what were the emotions of David Tuttle after realizing that you scored twice as many points and still have yet to get a win this season? And I racked up my first. Yeah, I mean, you said you shed a tear for me. I appreciate it. I might have... Uh... I might have like punched a wall or something, but uh, no, I, you know, I do. <laughs> I, I said it. I don't Drywall know how I got this way. Later, we're yeah. that hole. That's right. It must have been baseball, but uh, you know, 
you just you put your guys out there. You you know you put them in the lineup the way you put them in the lineup, and you go for it. You know, my wife, and I hope this gets a smile from everybody, but my wife calls this Dungeons and Dragons for <laughs> for, for washed up athletes. <laughs> That's so, so good. I love it. It's so true. So if you're gonna get wrapped up in your fantasy football, and I, you do hear this every once in a while, where someone's like, "Hey, uh, OBJ, you're on my fantasy team, and uh, you didn't do well." It's like, hey, like you know, you would have just blown that off while you're playing. It is fun to do. It makes watching the football games much more interesting. But hey, yes. I, I got no control of it. So my, I'm begging for a W. I don't know what I need to do differently. Uh, we talked about superstition on this podcast. I'm not superstitious. I get up every day. I breathe in and out. Put one foot in front of the other. And you know, next week could be the week to get a W. Could I'll be probably the week. get. It gets off the It's always the optimist, right? It's like next week's gonna be the week. <laughs> So anyway, I'm um, talking about football though. Some of these primetime games have, do you think, and I heard that, man, who was it? Mm. It wasn't, I don't know if it was Troy Aikman or if it was one of the other uh, sports center people who were, they were going over the highlights and they were basically saying, we're still in preseason with some of the things that are going on in football. And I just kind of, I appreciated that comment because we know it was a shortened uh, spring camp or whatever it is for football exhibition season with three games and then we hear that the Bengals didn't play any of their regulars not they didn't play one starter in the preseason and now they're scuffling out of the shoot Mm -hmm. does that put value on preseason or are or is the 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 quality of football that we're watching right now is that what it is or is this just an extended preseason for these teams because I feel like watching the Broncos they don't even know who's on the team I don't feel like Russell Wilson looks terrible and some of these primetime games have really been disjointed for me yet we're watching Cooper Rush a backup backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys actually looks somewhat decent so I don't know what's going on but how do you feel about the state of the NFL as we sit just to just as a as a as a fan of the game yeah, you know, that's a great question. I hadn't thought of it in that regard. In ten, I mean, remember, they got rid of one preseason game and we made the regular season 17 games. I mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to mind, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is that, you know, we talked about the transfer portal, right? So you had a new coach at USC, but he brought over like six, you know, we talked about this last week, six guys from Oklahoma that know his system and they kind of, you know, they're they're involved. And that's kind of what happened as they move around. Russell Wilson's been in Seattle. That's all he knows. You know, a strong run game and that coaching system. And maybe they, you know, Mm -hmm. Nathaniel Hackett, they've talked about the language and the system. But if you have Russell Wilson on a new team, Lamar Jackson looks like the old Lamar Jackson. Um, You know, those, I think the guys that expected to be good, the league has definitely changed, right? You look at Hertz and Tua and Allen. These guys can throw and run and create, you know, options and create kind of. This might be a better point. Yeah. Plays on the fly is different. Whereas the old school, like, I mean, I didn't watch the Brady Rogers game, but 14 to 12, and you know, the Buccaneers have a fantastic defense. But I mean, Gosh, and the Broncos and the Niners, that they both have a stupendous defense. So, you know, you want to mm-hmm. tip your hat to the defense. But like you said, none of those teams can run. And so, I mean, <laughs> it was almost formulaic. It was like, all right, let's try and run on first down. Yeah. Let's run on second down. But now it's third and of, six. It was weird. Yeah, and it's like third and six. Yeah. And you're like, and you just know he's going to be under pressure. And it happened both ways. And this is an, another kind of to what you said. Garoppolo came in. He wasn't supposed to be the starter this year. He missed training camp. Russell Wilson's on a new team. You know, the Jets have a starter that's out. Joe Flacco's playing there. You know, I mean, there is a lot of disjointed 
I don't think it's preseason. It's just the injury bug and kind of, you know, Baker Mayfield signed with the Panthers like two weeks before the season started. They named him the starter. And so I just think, I think the lack of continuity, you know, and I know that doesn't Mm -hmm. explain uh, Brady and Rodgers so much, except both those teams have a good defense and, you know, Brady's got all four of his starting receivers hurt. So there's probably a, uh, it's probably not one thing. It's probably a bunch of things. I do hope they're going to, you know, iron this out and make it a little more exciting because I agree with you. The Niners Broncos game, if you're a fan of defense, we talk about this in baseball. I don't mind a two one game. You know, you get into mm-hmm. the strategy and no, the high there, there's some innings. similarities to this. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, while, if you're a defensive fan, those defenses were on fire. I really enjoyed watching that game. But back to my point, Garoppolo took the team, marched right down the field, like second possession, touchdown. You're like, yeah, seven nothing. You're like, they're going to get it going. That was it. That was all they scored the whole game. That and the fact that he stepped out of the back of the end zone. So I don't know if I attribute as much to preseason as I do kind of the lack of continuity. Like, And that's why, to your Cooper Rush point, Dak Prescott is a more dynamic player and he knows the offense. But Cooper Rush was there all of training camp. He was designated the backup. And he comes in and he knows the system and he knows what to do. You know, he puts up 23 points against a decent defense. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's the lack of a preseason game or what what's your what were your thoughts when you asked? Well, here, here here's my thought on this. And I know we want to kind of skate and, and keep moving because you've got big uh, business going today and I want uh, to be able to respect that. But the last thing I'm going to say about this is going to be this is very similar to the major league start of the season in 2022. We had the lockout. You push back the season a week. You you cram in spring training and you sprint out of spring training and go into the season. Guess what happened the first month of baseball? Pitching dominated. You had a handful of teams that were actually good offensively. But for the most part, we watched a lot of very good teams kind of stumble out of the blocks offensively. And I think when you do have that abbreviated spring training or that abbreviated preseason, guess what's going to do better? The defenses are going to do better because to Tuttle's point, the offense doesn't have the rhythm. It doesn't have the timing. It doesn't have the continuity. And it takes them a little while to catch up. So I actually appreciate you bringing that up because now – we can kind of watch and talk about it on our podcast here, the evolution of this season and see if the offenses don't pick things up and make their adjustments, you know, a little bit later in the season as opposed to the defenses. I think that's a great and very interesting thought. Yeah, we should definitely watch that. And it made me think, you know, when Garoppolo's uh, post-game press conference, he was like, look, I didn't go to training camp. I wasn't supposed to be the starter. It sounded a little apologetic, like he was making an excuse. And he's like, look, it's not an excuse. And then you start looking, as we said, all the other things we mentioned, Mayfield on a new team and, you know, Cooper Rush in the game right away. And and I, I agree with you. So maybe it's not the fault of the preseason or lack thereof, but certainly the lack of continuity and the fact that they don't have an identity Yet. And so we'll we'll definitely watch that as we go. Speaking of having an identity, let's move to uh, Albert Pujols. And then I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about Aaron Judge. They seem to be tied together right now because they're both chasing things. But man, I know. Albert Pujols, I read an article, right? He signed, I think he had a $210 million offer for the Cardinals to come back, but they didn't have a DH at the time. So he signed with the, the Angels for $250, plus he had that $10 million like post-career clause when he retires. So that's still in there. And the article I read just said, basically, he made the right decision. You know, he went to a team that had the DH, but he attributes his longevity and is certainly this rejuvenation to going to LA and playing in the playoffs last year and being utilized kind of in clutch situations. But what, what can you 
what kind of light can you shed on the these accomplishments? Because you can say what you want about somebody. And Mark McGuire said, oh, Albert Poole is going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, I knew right when he came up at 22 or 23 that he was going to be a superstar. Yeah, maybe that's true. But the longevity is something to tip your cap to. And 700 home runs. I mean, how many people are in that club? What are we? Are we at three? Four. Yeah, four people in He's that club. He's the fourth. Yeah. That's right. That's why I said three. That's funny. Willie Mays was 660. And then you have Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds. Uh, Babe Ruth, and now you Pools. have Albert Pujols. That's pretty damn impressive. If you're in a category, Blum, you Hell played yeah. 14 years. If you're in a category <laughs> with Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds, you're like, okay, that's that's a pretty good class. Dude, hell yeah. But I think that, you know, it, it, everybody, you know, like you said, last season in 2021, he gets, you know, released, DFA'd, whatever it was from the Angels. The Dodgers pick him up and we're like, why are they picking this guy up? What's the big deal? And you take him out of that environment where you know you're not going to get to the postseason, and you put him on a team where he has an opportunity to have a ha- have timely impacts, not overall impact like he used to when he first came up. So I'm just going to speak here recently. I, th- I think that did invigorate him, and I think he wanted the he liked the idea of retiring as a Cardinal because that's where his his career started. It also coincides with Yadier Molina and his final year. So there's there's a lot of uh, nostalgia in St. Louis right now, but I think that nostalgia breeds a certain, you know, joy and happiness and relief that allow you to go out there and be a little more relaxed and have some fun. And oh, by the way, they've got Arenado and Goldschmidt on their team and guys coming out of their bullpen throwing a hundred. So that was a good team to begin with. And then the DH comes back universally. It allows the opportunity to use Albert appropriately in St. Louis, timely, and then have him pinch hit. But he's figured something out. He's got the fountain of youth. He's hitting bombs. He got to that 700 plateau, which I absolutely thought was freaking amazing. 699 and 700 on the same night is absolutely insane. But he did it in a place where he was comfortable, Dodger Stadium. He did it against and with a fan base that he was very comfortable and beloved by. So it was kind of this you know magical moment where everything came together where the Cardinals could enjoy it, the Dodgers could enjoy it. Although if you saw the replay of our boy David Roberts, he was he was pissed. He was like, son of a why do you have to do it here? Kind of look on his face, but it was kind of funny. Yeah. But it was it was just a magical baseball gods came together and said, this is the night. He made it happen. Now, going back to when he was a St. Louis Cardinal, watching him as a player, I watched him come up. You know, I played against him from day one, and he was a different animal. He was he was a very good player. He was tenacious, and he was, you know, he was one of the first guys that I realized that would step in. And Nomar Garcia Parra for me was like this when I first played against him. These guys, not just didn't give away at bats and put together great at bats. Every time they hit the ball, it was off the barrel. And I would sit back and look at Nomar. I'm like, dude, this guy's five foot ten and a half and weighs a buck fifty and he hits missiles. And then I saw Albert Pujols, who's obviously you know, an, another guy that developed into a little bit bigger human, but uh, he barreled the ball every single time he was up. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, just to give you, uh, you know, some more context, I was on the field when Barry Bonds tied Babe Ruth. And I thought that was, or yeah, tied Babe Ruth. And I thought that was one of the most freaking phenomenal moments I've ever been on the field for. And really kind of stood there as a fan on the field watching that unfold. It was incredible. But all the credit to Albert Pujols, phenomenal player. I know he's had his issues off the field here recently, but just good dude, good ball player, and nothing but golf claps for him, even though he destroyed the Astros in his career. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, so to, the juxtapose that with uh, what Aaron Judge is dealing with right now, and I think it's interesting because Aaron Judge was doing the same thing: three homers in a week, and two homers in one night, and another God. homer, and another this. And now we come down to about ten games left in the season, nine games. I knew he got intentionally walked last night. Speaking of which, because they keep talking about these home run guys, do you know Barry Bonds got intentionally walked three times in a game twice in one season? Gee whiz. That's amazing. Anyway. Dude, go to baseball reference and look at some of his seasons of intentional walks. He has like 120, oh I think, in one season. It's, it's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't – Dan Lebitard was asked this morning on a sports talk show. I was listening to on the way back from the gym. He said, well, you know, who's – you know, if Aaron Judge hits 62, is he your home run king? And Dan Lebitard notoriously just – he's like, No. He's like, all those guys were cheating, just like Lance Armstrong. He's like, the best baseball player on the planet who I ever saw play was Barry Bonds. It's like, he's the yes. home run king. He did it. We watched him do it. So I actually agree with that. I know there are some, you know, it's controversial, that may but disagree, I'm with you. But I'm in that boat yeah, too. I mean, yeah, he just was unbelievable. And like you said, go back and look at his intentional walks. But the, what I wanted to say is Albert Pujols, we talked about going to LA and being rejuvenated, the real LA. Sorry. Uh, L.A. Uh, Dodgers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Being rejuvenated. Well, you do that to the Rangers all the time, right? The, the yes. Southern Oklahoma it's team. It's beautiful. So... So the real LA and being rejuvenated and being relaxed. And like you said, hitting 699 and 700 in the same night. I mean, what is Aaron Judge? I mean, it doesn't matter. His family's traveling with him. He's getting in there. There's a lot of pressure, right? Like he's getting sawdust out of the... He's got sawdust in the, sawdust in the bat. So I, I just... The pressing, you know, the pressure, and he'll, he'll say it even if he hits it, but uh, it's more challenging for him for sure because of what we just said in terms of mental uh, sharpness and pressure and all that. I mean, you would think you wouldn't put pressure on. You're having one of the best seasons in the history of baseball, but he's yeah. he, he's obviously pressing a little bit, would you, wouldn't you say? No, I agree. Yeah, he is pressing, and it, that's what's interesting about watching the veteran Albert Pujols. He's going for legendary, statistical, Major League Baseball historic, you know, numbers, and he's doing it in probably a more comfortable environment. Like, like you said, he's a little more relaxed playing for the Cardinals, a team he, he knows all too well. Uh, he's in a stadium where he's comfortable with uh, the Dodgers when he broke that record. But I also think it's a credit to the experience. He's he's broken. He's had single season records. He's broken, you know, the 300, 400, 500, 600, now 700 home run records. So he has experience in that situation in order to handle it mentally and be able to control the heartbeat and have good at bats. I think Aaron Judge is in a unique spot, you know, not, and what you have to remember with Aaron Judge talking about Barry Bonds and the home run record, 73 in a season, you know, there's been four or five guys, or what, three or four guys now that have hit 60 plus home runs in a season. So, that plateau is cool, but other guys have done it, so it's not that special. Yeah. I think what makes it tougher on Aaron Judge is you're playing in the most historic franchise in Major League Baseball history, the New York Yankees. They've got 35 numbers retired. I mean, everybody that's worn that uniform has done something legendary. And now you're approaching a, a Yankee record that is just you know buried in mystique with Roger Maris in the 1961 season when he hit 61 home, or, home runs. 
Uh, he beat, you know, Roger, uh, you know, he beat uh, Mickey Mantle that season who hit 60. So there's this, you know, this story and this whole legend and this aura around this number of 61. There's movies made about it. And then you have Aaron Judge, who's this mythical creature in his own right, being six foot seven, 250 pound Adonis who goes out there and just overwhelms the baseball and is single handedly taking the Yankees on his back into the playoffs. And now he's approaching this mythical number of 61, which is a Yankee record. But it, you got to remember this too. This is also the American League home run record. If he gets to 62, he's going to supplant Roger Maris as the American League home run champion. So I think there's a lot involved here. And I agree with you, even though he's getting his base hits, still hitting the baseball hard, there's something in watching him that just says, I'm a little, I'm trying a little bit too hard. And maybe that's it. Right. And that's really difficult to do, right? Try hard and do it. But, you know, I think he's got a good chance to do it. He's put together a fantastic year, and we'll just have to watch and see. Um, let's take a break here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We'll come right back to finish up the show. Thanks for hanging with us. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right. So we have the Pujols Judge watch. I guess Pujols watch is over, and Aaron Judge has about nine games left to uh, get to the record, and we'll see how that goes. So welcome back here on the uh, Bleacher Blums podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Myself, David Tuttle, at Real David Tuttle on Instagram and Twitter. You guys know this. And uh, at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter. His work is almost over for the season, and he can put his feet up and start watching the Astros head into the playoffs. So that'll be good. Um, I wanted to, wanted to switch a little bit to uh, college football. I think, gosh, we're, we must be on podcast 200 and something by now. 200 probably heading in there. 92? Yeah, we're getting close to 200. Maybe. But we've talked targeting before because I just think the college targeting is just, you know, it's always oh, so, Lord. I mean, on a running back or something like that. You know, they are playing football, by the way, trying to hit. So I will give a compliment in that they've done a better job of going to the uh, monitor and saying, oh, no, True. it wasn't targeting. It looks like the shoulder hit before. And I get the defenseless receiver thing. But man, it just seems really punitive when mm -hmm. you're sprinting and the other guy's sprinting and he ducks and you, even if you have your head up, they call him a defenseless receiver or defenseless runner. I just, I don't, I don't think it should be a blanket like, hey, this is what targeting looks like. This is what we're going to emphasize this year in college football. And guys are, you know, getting tossed out in the second quarter. They miss the first half of the next game. I just... You know, this is the this is how I would tie it to our podcast. We talk about this with baseball. I just think there are certain things that don't need instant replay. 
um, you know, like balls and strikes. Like if the guy hit the base before the ball get there, got there, then that's something that we can look at. Is it a catch or isn't it? Oh no, the ball was on the turf. Okay, that's fine. But targeting in real time, fast motion, I guess you can use replay to, you know, say that it was or it wasn't. But we just, I don't, I just, when you slow it down and they're like, yeah, his helmet, the side of his helmet hit the other guy's helmet, he's going to be done for two games. Just seems a little, uh, I don't know. I, I, what do you think about the targeting rule? I mean, have you watched enough college football? I just, yeah. it just doesn't seem fluid. It doesn't seem right. No, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, you mentioned it right there at the end. The slow, super slow mo has absolutely destroyed instant replay. And it, what it does is it allows you to nitpick. But the fact of the matter is that this game is happening at warp speed. What's the one thing when you're watching a baseball game with a buddy at, at the bar and they're like, oh, man, that guy made an error. He sucks. And you're sitting there going, yeah. dude, do you realize how fast this game's moving right now? That's right. You're like, it's moving at this un- at this ridiculous speed with athletes that are the most ridiculous athletes we've ever seen in our life. So things are going to happen at, at a higher rate of speed, which makes it tougher to understand. At, at that moment, but then you slow things down. And then you, like you said, well, you know what? The shoulder actually did get in there. Well, actually he didn't lead with the crown of his helmet. It was just the way that the bodies were positioned, but now we're nitpicking and go, well, the helmet did get there first before the shoulder was actually leading. And then, like you said, the defenseless receiver, I think it happened in Miami against Buffalo, you know, Bad throw, receiver reaches for it, puts himself in a position where he reaches and then, you know, immediately recoils. And here comes, you know, my imagination as a defensive back is I've got to hit this guy at this point. So I continue through that point. But guess what? The guy doesn't have the ball and it's been a split second. And now we're going, well, he had time. Did he really? I don't like that. But this is where I want to bring in the thought that I had for baseball instant replay. We have umpires in a booth. We have referees in a booth. We bring out video. We show it to referees. Please, can we, in the NFL, in the NBA, in the NHL, in in Major League Baseball, can we put a retired player in that booth to have an opinion? Because I think that would change the targeting rule to your point, and it would add some athleticism to the thought process, which referees and umps I don't believe have. And it would put somebody who's been in that situation to explain it and say, well, this is actually what happened instead of going, nope, targeting, he went with his helmet. You know, I think that would be, I think. how do you feel about that? I think it would make the process better. Yeah, it's funny. The first person I thought of was Ronnie Lott because it's always like receiver safety. Like, can you imagine Ronnie Lott with <laughs> his arm people. around the referee? Like, hey, yeah, no, that's not targeting. Yeah, that guy moved a, clean a little play. too quick. Yeah, <laughs> but but I, but I agree really with hit. you. I, I mean, again, the more heads that get in there, the more complicated it can get. But I, I do. I mean. Been there, done that is always a good thing. This is why, you know, the catchers are making good managers in the big leagues, right? We have bat coachy and service and hinch. And, you know, you can go down the list of like these guys called games. They know pitching. They understand. Like, let's get people that understand what's going on to at least contribute to it. And the thing that got me thinking about targeting this weekend was um, it wasn't the targeting as much as it was. They said, was it the NFL? It must have been the NFL on Sunday. It has to be incontrovertible proof to over overturn the call. Oh yeah, and they kept showing the oh it was the Jacksonville the guy the tight end uh, Evan Ingram that used to play for the uh, Giants. He had a play that was bang bang, and he was backing up, and his foot lifted. They called it a touchdown on the field, 
Mm-hmm. And they went back to replay. And even both the guys in the booth said, look, I don't know if it's a catch. I don't, you know, I can't tell by replay. I couldn't tell by replay. Nobody could tell by replay. And so based on that rule, you can't tell by replay. Then you just stick with a call in the field. They came back and said, no catch. And Everybody was wrong, basically. I was wrong because I was sitting there going, well, they can't overturn it because there's not proof. The guys in the booth, it was Adam Archuleta and Gumbel, um, Greg Gumbel, and they were both like, well, you know, we can't tell. We've seen it 75 times from 800 angles. We can't tell what's going on. So they'll just let the call stand. I think that's the right thing. I'm sitting at home going, yep, we should let it stand. You know, they bring in the referee and he says all the same things and he goes, yeah. I can't tell if his foot's up or not, but they got to stick with the call in the field. They come back and they get on, they go, nope, sorry, no catch. We have to overturn it. And you're like, wait a second. And that goes to your point (laughs) about having somebody in there. Yeah. I mean, like, so we got a little away from targeting, but it's frustrating to say, okay, everybody now agrees that that video isn't really proof. So let's go with what they called in the field. They come back on and they overturn it anyway. It's like, wait a second. Mm. What, what are we doing? Yeah, I've got one last thought on the targeting thing. I think I I truly believe in watching the game now and kind of how things have have moved forward and how they're protecting players and teaching them how to hit and how to take the hit. I do believe that in in the aggression of football, I think these guys have actually gotten better. I think they're they're physically and consciously trying to make an effort to hit with the shoulder and make these hits more appropriate so they do protect each other. And I do think it's because there's a league-wide understanding that we need to protect each other even though we're on opposing sides. So I think they're doing a better job as players to protect against some of those hits too. I totally agree. The game has changed because of it for the better. Mm-hmm. More offensive yes. and you're not trying to kill yes. people, you know? It's the actually yeah. take it back to baseball. It's when you get the 90 mile an hour ball up over the shoulder that pisses people mm-hmm. off. Look, if everybody knows that you're going to get one in the ribs because of, you know, etiquette or whatever, you're not trying to maim or injure anybody. Like it's acceptable. These are men, men with testosterone that want, on, you know. Right. Yeah, right. And I think football is definitely made the same way. And speaking of which, I didn't say this before, but uh, the Pro Bowl is actually going to be a flag football game this year. I just read that this morning. <laughs> and I think that's actually a good idea, right? Because it's a, you know, it's a 75 to 70 game where they're basically playing two and touch anyway. So let's move that to flag True. football. But that'll be that'll be a topic for another day. That that we have two topics left here. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Tuttle has to go to work, so we're kind of hustling through our day. But uh, Mike Tomlin's press conference the other night after they lost to the Browns, just every time I see the guy talk, I'm like, I, why can't that guy come work with me? I'd work for that guy anywhere. In real world, 100%. baseball, football, they were making excuses like, well, do we think we need Kenny Pickett in a quarterback? Do we need this or that? Uh, what do you think about you know the situation here? Mike Tomlin looked right into the microphone. He goes, look. He goes, we're in the business of winning. We're not in the business of making excuses. We didn't win, and so we're going to have to go back and reevaluate it. We're in the business of winning. That's it. Bottom line, winning. And it's like, so don't ask these questions. I mean, he keeps the clubhouse that way. Yeah. Like, hey, you don't don't create separation. There's no clubhouse lawyering. We're we're in the business of winning. I mean, that is just a blanket statement that everybody kind of perks up and goes, oh, hell yeah. 
Yeah. Remember his line about USC? Would you coach USC? Um, I want to, <clears throat> is this thing on? He goes, I want to make sure that you guys hear this. No, not ever, <laughs> not ever, ever, never. Like I have not in, engaged at that. I am the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So please don't ask me again. Like, oh, all right. That's why can't more people be like that? I mean, you start want, hearing want, these other Tomlin people. Tomlin writes his book at the end of his coaching career. I'm going to buy it. Oh I yeah, want to I can know tell what's inside that guy's skull. I want him to have a yeah. reading list at the end of his book yeah. so I can understand what he read and how yeah. he got to this point. This yeah. dude is fascinating. And if you're yeah. ever going to be a manager, head coach of any sport, what yeah. I, I would peel back every press conference this guy has. He is he is awesome when they're when they're good. They're, he's he's good. When they're bad, he takes the bullet. I mean, everything this guy has done has been right. And he, how about avoiding controversy in this day and age? He's found a way to crack that code with the media that's always trying to you know drive a division yep. in the clubhouse, find a fissure and crack it open and create controversy. And this guy's like, nope. I mean, yep. how about just answering the question and bluntly and honestly? I mean, this guy yep. is a breath of fresh air. And like you said. If he was, if he, you know, if our producer Mark could act more like Mike Tomlin, I'd be a better podcaster. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying. That's great. This guy makes me want to run through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> there he Marco, is. I love he, you, dude. That's a Mike. But, that's a Mike Tomlin face he just made. Yeah, but I mean, this is a guy that all of a sudden, even if you're not the best player on the team, you feel like you are, and you feel like you got to go out there and maybe overachieve. And I think he's awesome. I, I, I'm glad that you support that. I was going to say one last yeah. thing. Now, you also think about Ben Roethlisberger with his off-the-field stuff and being slow and old and Antonio Brown. And then they had Juju Smith-Schuster who ended up leaving, yes. but he was going to be somebody. But he had Le'Veon Bell there. Like, Those guys all in the same clubhouse, and you never heard anything. It was like Belichickian over there, and we should call it Tom Tomlin. Tomlinian, something like yes. that. Anyway, I'm in. fantastic coach. If you haven't heard or you know seen any sound bites of him check him out i would still run through a wall for that guy and i don't even mm. play a sport <laughs> you and me both not anymore man <laughs> hey uh you got anything else no i was waiting for the blums blast we're ready to rock and all roll. right so blums blast okay so i'm gonna break out my calculator here real quick or i'm gonna go back to albert pujols real quick so if you run uh, if you trot out a home run it's a total of 360 feet getting around correct Ooh, yes Okay, so yeah, ninety feet times four, three hundred sixty so, feet. Yep. So he has he's he's done that seven hundred times. So he's gone two hundred and fifty-two thousand feet. A mile is five thousand two hundred and eighty. He has he has trotted around the bases to the tune of forty-seven point seven miles on his home runs. Why is he still overweight? Wow. <laughs> That's a dig right there. I, I've <laughs> trotted around the bases seven miles. He's gone 40 miles past me in his home runs, dude. That is, so just to put things in context, the dude's like a beast. That. I love that. That was a great stat. So, hey, Tuttle, um, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing on Thursday? This Thursday? Of this week. This would be September 29th. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I don't have any plans. I really don't. I just had my wedding well, anniversary if, a couple of weeks well, ago. Well, so. anybody who come on. It's not a wedding anniversary. No. I said I just had my wedding anniversary yeah. a couple of weeks ago, so okay. I'm not so planning on doing here, anything. Here's Thursday. my <laughs> here is my plea. My plea yeah. to the Bleacher Blums podcast uh -oh. family. If you could reach out, find a way on Instagram mm -hmm. or on Twitter at Real David Tuttle. 
Uh, My boy is having a birthday on Thursday, and I just wanted on our podcast, wish David Tuttle a very happy birthday on September 29th. Happy birthday to you. Happy Happy birthday. Oh, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Last year, producer Ramos got my mom to come on the podcast, unbeknownst to me. So, yeah, it was great. I know. Well, no, it was great that you uh, remembered. I appreciate it. I know I finally figured out your birthday after working with you for three years and becoming a buddy. Yeah, we haven't. We're we're opposite ends of the spectrum in the year. So, you're at the beginning of the baseball season, I'm at the end. So, Um, I appreciate it, Blummer. Yes, it is my birthday Thursday. I don't know what the plans are. It's not a. I don't know. They're all monumental at this age, but it's not a. Uh, it's not a I'm decade. With you. That goes changer, back to what I said so. earlier in the podcast. Yeah, we got to enjoy each day. <laughs> that's right, enjoy each day. So that's all I got. So uh, again, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. You deserve a big thank you today uh, for speeding through the podcast. And it was a busy schedule. I wanted to share yesterday. We're like, I'm like, I don't think I can make tomorrow morning. You're like, Well, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Ramos like, eh, I'm busy, and I'm like, All right, then let me just see if I can make it work tomorrow. So here we are. Right. We it work. So yeah, yeah. thank Always you do. to you, you for the birthday wishes. Um, we will see you next week. I wanted to give a shout out as always to first responders, military around the world. We saw Russia just uh, enacted the draft, the military draft, which gosh, that would be frightening for our children. You have Hell all yeah. girls, but certainly that's a rando thing. But uh, please um, give your thoughts and prayers out to uh, the military around the world that protect us and you know give us our freedoms first responders, healthcare workers, and of course, teachers. Um, If you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And one last thing before we break this podcast down, I want to make sure that we're thinking about everybody in Florida right now. I know that hurricane's coming. It's going to be crushing. And uh, hopefully everybody's uh, well-prepared and able to get through that. So that goes back to those first responders and everybody that, uh, you know, runs into harm's way. Hopefully that thing uh, fades out and doesn't create a lot of damage. But we're thinking about you down there in Tampa if you're listening to this podcast. And as, ever, as we do at the end of every podcast, we want to make sure you get after it and believe it. Crushed it. No. Killed it. Good, 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 good.